Hi and welcome. I am Desiree Holmes Sharini, your host of Intuitive Journey with Desiree, and I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm really happy to have a guest, Thomas Garza, and I'll be interviewing him today and we will be finding out all about him. Now, Tomas is, um, I met him through something that I'll talk about later, but uh, he is a podcast host of Decide to Transform. He's also um, does his podcast production and he's a counselor, council member of the faculty relations and media at the International Academy of Universal Self Mastery and the acronym is I Awesome. And later on, we'll tell you why it's awesome. Um, Tomas began a personal meditation practice in the mid 1980s and began teaching meditation in 2018. And he appreciates the mental and emotional space that we can create with any mindfulness practice. He likes the space to make different decisions at any time, space to undertake massive transformation in our lives. And stay calm, stay cool is one of Tomas's favorite things to say. And like, believe me, that's really useful, Tomas, right? Um, he loves to hike. Uh, he loves hot climates. And that's wonderful because he lives with his wife, Cindy, in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I just found that out when I uh, was reviewing his bio to talk to him. You know, with, with the way we've been talking, every, like with Zoom for months, and I don't realize what people are. So welcome, Tomas. Thank you for coming and being here with me today. Well, thank you very much, Desiree. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great. And Tomas interviewed me, as a matter of fact, um, for the um, International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery. I know I'm going to get that wrong one of these days with the except those words so uh, we had a really nice talk and um enjoyed talking so much we felt like there was so much more to say we said hey let's set up you know some more interviews and um so here he is so tomas um i'm going to kind of just start asking questions and hopefully we'll just kind of flow into information coming out without um you know too much work because i think it's going to be easy so mm -hmm. i'm just curious you as a person what, what is your background? Before we even get into what you do, like how did you grow up? What's your background? What, where'd, you, where'd you come from? And kind of your path to where you are now. All right. Well, I guess that's, um, how much time do we have? Because that's uh, well, a lot. It was, I don't know, an hour or so, I don't know. An hour or so, I or love it. Was, okay. you know, well, we can yeah, always do the second interview, you know, if, if it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's fun because um, there's so much to that. Yeah. It's like, tell me your whole life, Tomas, and we've got, uh, yeah, make it. <laughs> well, the, the quick answer is Highlights. Uh, we're all still here. And yes, now, the <laughs> highlight. The highlight reel is I grew up near here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, just one state over here. And I spent a lot of time outside for one reason or another as a kid and in the mountains, hiking, um, fishing, just uh, being outside camping was a, a major part of my life. And it was also a major part of my life growing up because I actually was raised in a very tense uh, 
home environment. My mother, who passed away four years ago, was a very hardcore alcoholic. So we're just going to cut right to the nitty gritty on this uh, on this show. Now, that was the situation that I was raised in. So I wound up spending a lot of time outside of the house just to be by myself. I, that was my coping mechanism was to get away. And I wound up really cultivating a love of the outdoors and sunlight and hot climates, which is one of the reasons why Cindy and I live down here in Arizona. Well, I don't blame you. Did you have <laughs> brothers and sisters that you grew up with? Yes, I grew up with a younger sister who is 15 months younger than I am. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And so, um, so how about, uh, so life at home wasn't perfect, you know, <laughs> right? But you found your escape out there in the outdoors. And, and you know, what did you do um, as a young man? Like when, when you came out of high school, what, what uh, direction did you go in? Well, I wanted to leave New Mexico coming out of high school, so I went to undergraduate school at Tulane University in New Orleans and uh, had a, a completely different and very fun experience. Um, you can imagine, I, I experienced the New Orleans experience for yeah. four years. You went from right? the dry Everything. heat to the moist heat and, uh, yes. and a little bit of Mardi Gras atmosphere, huh? A lot of Mardi Gras atmosphere <laughs> all the time, and not just during Mardi Gras as hey, well. Right, well, it's college age, right? Right. Yeah. Yes, and and that was uh, that was very fun for me. And then I've I've lived all over the world. Really, uh, travel has always been a large part of my life from when I was a, a young child. Um, I would travel extensively. I had grandparents that wanted me to see the world. This is uh, my mother's parents who took me um, when I was very young on some very, very wonderful journeys that have really kind of formed a part of who I am. So travel and experiencing different cultures has always been a part of that. And uh, that's, that's really been a huge part of life, not just as a young man, but also as a, as a middle-aged man, I'm, I'm 48 now, and my wife and I have just spent the better part of the last three years in Mexico traveling. We sold our house in Oregon three years ago and spent two and a half years moving around Mexico. Uh, it was That's fantastic. Wonderful. Okay, so Tomas, so you were saying that with your grandparents, you traveled a lot and formed a big part of who you are. And yes. um, you've been, you used to live in Oregon. And... Mm -hmm traveled a lot down in Mexico recently. And I did. With the name Tomas Garza. Can I assume maybe you speak some Spanish? You you can assume that, yes, and you'd be absolutely true? correct. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. yeah no, that's true. Okay. Yeah. So um you have some Spanish background in there, uh, Hispanic uh I, I do. I do on my dad's side. My dad grew up in El Paso, Texas, and he has spoken Spanish his entire life. And uh, I, I have too. I'm bilingual in English and Spanish. So I learned uh, from an early age, a, a lot of the swear words um, yeah. came from him as well. So yeah. I'll give credit for that. I know how to say, Cayete, vaya, carajo. Let's see, my mother was, <laughs> I hope we don't have an international um, audience here, but no, my mom's from Cuba, and oh, okay. she never taught me. Um, so, because my older sisters, she would speak Spanish to them when they were little, and um, it was back before I thought they, you know, thought it was a good idea to learn languages growing up, and sure. um, and so the teacher criticized my mother for speaking something other than English. Um, you know, she wanted 
don't speak you now don't confuse them with two languages she said oh okay yeah. so she, by the time i came around you know she didn't speak in spanish at home anymore unless she was really mad so, oh, okay so <laughs> you got kind of the carajo uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, gotcha. so i learned all those but i studied it in school and um anyway mm -hmm. okay so so what did you study in uh there at tulane I studied anthropology at, at Tulane. Yes, it was very fun. Yeah, I love very that good. subject. Really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, then what? After that, well, I spent some time as a uh, as a guide on a fishing on a fishing outfit in New Mexico. I did not do anything with my anthropology degree in the conventional sense of the word. I always went into undergraduate school knowing that an undergraduate degree meant that a person is trainable and if unless you I mean that's really quite literally if you have a college degree it is just it's just like a extra check that yeah this person will yes. stay for four years. It means that someone can stick to something and see it through to the end. Uh, it, it means they are capable of fastidiousness, of studying, something right. like that. And I always went in with that attitude. So I never actually had a job that was directly related to the field of anthropology. But I spent about a year and a half um, living in a very remote part of northwestern New Mexico called Navajo Dam. It's by the San Juan River, which is a very famous trout fishing river in northwest New Mexico. Now, a lot of people come all over the world to, to do fly fishing there. So I lived in that area for about a year and a half, and then I went off to law school as I was thinking oh. that, uh, yeah, I thought I didn't that, see that that would coming be... at all. I really no. didn't see that coming. <laughs> Good. Yeah, all right. So yeah. surprise, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we are. And uh, that was how I moved to Oregon. I went to the Northwestern School of Law at Lewis and Clark College in Portland. And that was something that didn't really necessarily come out of left field for me because in my family, that was one of the things that was kind of drilled in to kids, especially those who enjoyed school like I did. So I really enjoyed studying. I enjoyed reading. I enjoyed writing literature, languages, that sort of thing. And I just found myself there. And once I began law school, I found myself not liking it. Yeah, I've heard that from people before too, <laughs> you know, that they, they thought that sounded like a good idea until they mm. got there. Yeah. So well, yes. Or did you decide to leave that? No, I stuck with it, and I'm very glad that I did. Um, in <laughs> fact, I, I really am because there are unintended consequences to my sticking with it that I never thought of at the time. I just never, it never occurred to me to seriously quit because by the time I had gotten about halfway through, I was spending my own money on it. So I, I didn't have a scholarship. And granted, this was in the 1990s, so the cost of, of higher education was much less than it is today. So I, I wouldn't have done that these days. But back then, it was um, fine to do. So I, I just stuck with it. It didn't occur to me that, um, 
quitting that was an option and it was it was a lot of pain it was a lot of torture and suffering and for me i have a lot of friends who are attorneys and you know, they're still attorneys to this day so it worked for them but it was a very difficult process and lesson for me to realize okay this is just not my my thing so what exactly am i doing here why do i keep showing up again and again and well brutalizing myself because that's what it was <laughs> so did you finish it i did you did? I did did you go into practice i went into a related area of practice so one of the best things that i ever did and that's um, one of the best decisions i've ever made in my life was to refuse to sit for the bar exam when i was done so uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that a law degree is just the degree it doesn't confer on right. you the you right. have to take the big test yeah. right. right and I, I refused to do that it, I refuse to do that. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, yeah, I, I, I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I was done. And instead of sitting for the bar exam, my wife at the time and I went into the Peace Corps and uh, we lived in Mongolia for a year and a half. Gosh. And yes. you don't need a law degree to go to Mongolia, right? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> well, no, what, you don't. what an interesting decision. And mm. so tell me about that, that experience there. That was something that I had always wanted to do um, because as, as we referenced earlier in the conversation, I had a lot of exposure to travel as, as a young child and a lot of it was international. So I was very, very curious about what it would be like to live in another part of the world, to eat someone else's food, to partake in their customs. And, you know, as, as a United States citizen, that's always an option for people that love to travel. Um, especially for people that don't have a lot of money to travel. And I did not at the time, having just blown it all on, on yeah. law school and a, a big, fancy, expensive degree. So, yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun. And it's just one of those experiences that's really, really eye-opening. We were in a very remote town in Western Mongolia, wow. so a, a thousand kilometers away from the capital, isolated, and um, it was it was eye-opening so it's it's the highest highs and the lowest lows when you're in that kind of environment for sure wow so th this is getting more interesting as we go because i didn't mm -hmm. expect school i certainly didn't expect mongolia after law school <laughs> it's right. like what you do with your degree i went to mongolia uh so did you That's what everyone does yeah right, right. Yeah. continue with your degree um with your um peace corps did you continue doing that longer or was that like your stint and then you came back and lived a normal life or i can't imagine normal life yet though right um, no <laughs> I, I don't know I, I honestly don't know that i i have what's considered a normal life um i i guess because I've done so many different things that um, that people, um, many people have done more things than I have, but there are a number of people who have not done what I've done. I don't really consider it normal, but uh, I, I did go back and go into career life. So in that sense, it was perfectly normal, <laughs> according back, to- Settled down for a while in one place and worked a job. And, and what did you do? Well, I was in private practice as a mediator, so I didn't stray very far from the legal field. I went into alternative dispute resolution and, and had a private practice for 13 years. So I, I still exposed myself to plenty of people's conflicts and plenty of people's drama 
and uh, did mostly family law. So a number of my clients, almost all of them were in the middle of a divorce or a child custody dispute. So it, it, you can imagine those are not pretty um, at all. And uh, high stakes, high stakes stuff. Yeah. And what I see there, though, is what's coming out uh, in that choice is the helping field. Mm -hmm. You know, that like nobody goes into something like mediation unless they want to help people. Right. You don't do it for fun. Right. So, um, no. <laughs> and there's other ways no. you can make, make a living. So, um, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, and you know, of course the Peace Corps, that, that would be a helping field, obviously. Right. So it sounds to me like somewhere along the way you picked up that, um, altruistic, you know, gene or drive. Um, yeah. so, so I'm curious, I, I, you know, I'm seeing this transition, like, you know, and you were like, could have gone off and been a lawyer, which is a helping field too, <laughs> but there's some dispute about that depending on yes. <laughs> who you talk to. But, um, so from the mediation, you know, moving forward to now, what, what, what was the transition that brought you into, um, finding meditation? Is that something that happened during your mediation days? Um, and of course, so for the audience, I, I, as I introduced, um, that Tomas found meditation and, and did it, you know, I guess I need to ask you about that in 2000, uh, 1980s. So yeah, in the 1980s, you were meditating. So you were already meditating all the way through that, right? Okay. Yes. So, how'd you find meditation? Where, where'd that pop up? I and found it, in, tie it together. Yeah, it was really interesting. I found it in high school geometry class of all places. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's not a retreat in the Himalayas. I didn't go uh -huh. up to a, a retreat center or a monastery or anything like that and take a weekend seminar. Uh, my high school geometry teacher, well, I was in 10th grade, so mid 1980s. Um, circa 1985, I would say. He was very interested in meditation and um, had had a practice for a number of years. Very, very calm guy. So he was one of these people that looks like and gives the the aura of having meditated extensively. So chill. Yeah, very chill, um, very composed, and not easily riled by group of sophomores in high school, which could get on someone's nerves, um, for sure. And uh, he would have us meditate at the beginning of class every day. And while other kids rolled their eyes and uh, you know, pretended to do it and, and laughed, I actually found myself connecting with it, uh, okay. connecting with it really deeply. And, and, you know, just was able to connect to that. And I liked it so much that I just started doing it on my own. So that's, that's how I began. Yeah. Okay. And it, I really credit that with a lot of things. It really helped me get through some of the more challenging aspects in my life, um, some of the challenging Peace Corps moments, some of the, the law school, which was one giant challenge, um, and, and not just the academics, but the actual culture of it was, was one of the things that I didn't resonate with at all. So Maybe a lot of the people have a yeah. different mindset. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a very different mindset than the one that I knew that I was comfortable with. And I just couldn't practice. I couldn't practically think of myself as doing it for 40 years to 50 years and, and forget about the money. I'll leave that on the table because <laughs> it wasn't worth it. So, yeah. 
But meditation has been really, really central in all of this. It's really kind of formed a core. I didn't realize this until several decades had passed. I didn't realize the impact that this has, had had on my life until really probably a few years ago. Yeah. And, and so yeah. was there an aha moment um, that kind of tied that together for you? Yes, uh, there was. It was a series of, of moments, more like a, a cluster. And this was really a couple of years ago. I just realized in 2018 that I had all of this experience and that it was time for me to begin to teach. It was time. The timing was right for me to begin to share this with people. And I started by having an in-person meditation class at a friend's yoga studio in Oregon. And that is, uh, that's how I began that. Now that has opened up all kinds of doors, but that was really just recently, a couple of years ago. 2018, it looks like on here. So, so mm -hmm. you're relatively new to the, the sharing, uh, teaching, and uh, uh, wellness, right? Were you doing anything like teaching, uh, life coaching, anything like that? It was your your base is um, is meditation and teaching. So you just really moved into it recently. I did, and come uh, that formally as a teacher, but come to think of it. Yeah, my entire life experience was really predicated around that. And this will tie into the mediation component as well, because I've always been someone that people come to. Some, some people are just, it seems, born uh, to hear out people's mm -hmm. issues or, or their complaints, their problems. People bring things to certain kinds of people because they feel safe, because this person is able to listen to them and that, that they perceive that, okay, this is a safe space. Someone can hold this space for me. And the term holding space, as people use it in, in spiritual terms, never occurred to me, but that's exactly what I was doing as a child when people would come to me with their issues. Really? Media uh, was a very natural my, my internet just did a little wanky thing, so oh yeah, that won't mess us up too much. Um, I was uh, to the audience. I was where as you know, this is a audio and a video, and I was complaining to Tomas that my my internet uh, Xfinity tells me it's perfect, <laughs> mm. but sometimes I experience otherwise. So, oh. um, and, and that's true. You know, I um, I was I think also the training that you got as a mediator uh there's something to that that it goes into the sub that just the way that you know you probably communicate in general the way that you can be the observer more easily yes i right out of college i uh, was trained as a facilitator mm -hmm. um group facilitation and the the whole um you know the i speak Remember, I speak like when you do or say, I think or feel, and, and to teach that to others as part of this bigger program. And sure. learning that and, of course, having to use it in, the, in my environment and making it more natural, which is that weird step when you have, try to make it natural instead of saying, you make me so mad. Right. There's, there's that learning that, um, that when I'm communicating with someone, Oh yeah, I believe me. I get I get mad and and 
but you know if it's not um like, like I'm, I'm thinking of facebook for example you know people start fighting and calling each other names and they're not listening and they they categorize right. each other and i'm like you guys just like no one's going to hear you with your opinion if you're telling them they're stupid they're wrong they're any of that so there's something to it that just makes it more automatic like a default and so i too find people um, and of course it's great me because well, as a life coach and hypnotherapist i'm supposed to be safe to talk to but i right. luckily do find that that was a really good um basis for being open and not ju non-judgmental to what people have to share with you and you know, instead of being subjective and making judgments, being objective and saying, it's not my thing, it's their thing, and I'm here to help them with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so right. I kind of had to throw that in there as, as a, you know, uh, maybe that was um, also, uh, what's it called? Uh, veiled, veiled, um, not criticism, but veiled advice to the listeners and the audience. When you're interacting with people, you know, see how much you can be the observer, not the, if it's getting heated, if you're feeling, you know, like you want to call the person names or you're thinking they're stupid, like kind of pretend like you're just watching the conversation sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, be right. the third person. And I think you get a better communication out of that. So, um, and like you say that for someone who works with people, you just have that openness, right? And so you, you attract people to that aura that you have. And then you moved into sharing. Now, were you formally trained in any sort of particular meditation? Um, like, cause I know that there's like, you know, I've, I've done meditation workshops um, and I'm not formally trained in any, well, I am actually, but we won't go there. But I was explaining to them that there's all sorts of meditation. Cause somebody says, this isn't meditation. Um, so I'm curious, what is your process when you teach meditation? What, what, what do you teach? I mean, how, do you empty the mind? Do you allow thoughts to come and go? Do you focus? What do you, how do you do it? And is there um, one way, a right way, or a wrong way? Oh, okay. Uh, well, there's no right or wrong way uh, in, the, in the way that people usually think of it. People think, oh gosh, you know, this is one of the excuses, of course, that people use for not taking up meditation or, yeah. or any kind of practice is that oh, I'm not doing it right. I'm afraid that I won't yeah. do it right. Yeah. People think they're not going to do it right. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'll be doing it wrong or I'll have thoughts. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Right. Yes. I mean, so when I teach it, I've had a number of different teachers. So it, my high school geometry teacher just taught basic pranayama, just basic breath meditation. And I've studied in other traditions as well, in particular in Tibetan Buddhism. I, I spent some time in the late 1990s, early 2000s, really practicing a lot of Tibetan Vajrayana Buddhism. So there are different forms of meditation, different levels of absorption. But for um, someone just looking to become a little bit calmer in daily life, that one of the things, one of my favorite meditation teachings is that a single, a simple, um, sorry, a single meditation, very successful meditation can be as short as one breath, just one breath. If you pay attention to it, you do have time to take your next breath, I hope. 
Yes. Um, so we can all we can all do that. It's something that automatically calms us. And if you take a one breath meditation, you can take a second. And there are many different ways, many different techniques. And uh, what is very new to me is teaching meditation online. I've only taught in person before where you are able to feel the energy in the room and just have an intuitive sense of, of what somebody is going through by their body language, by, by the energy that they're putting off. So you can adapt teachings that way. But yeah, very simple, um, very basic and short is just fine. One of the common misperceptions is that you have to run off to the Himalayas, take up robes, become a monk or a nun and, and abandon your whole life, you know, abandon cocktail parties, <laughs> dinners, that sort of thing. Well, you don't uh, happily. So, right. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that like, and like I said, I, I'm not necessarily a meditation teacher and I don't know all the different kinds that are out there but when I do talk to clients one of the things I, I try to encourage them to do is like you're saying is there a mindfulness isn't there just like that moment like and so when you said cocktail party I'm thinking even that can give you the opportunity for a little mini meditation you know if you just look at the color of your wine mm -hmm. you know just like just be there for a minute you know so <laughs> or even like yes. the little the little things and um you know just taste the wine mm -hmm. people yeah. rush through their lives so fast and and like you said some people are like i don't have time for meditation and i don't but they're rushing so fast to get to have time for meditation instead of incorporating it into their lifestyle right for those little moments and and yeah. so um, I'm going to introduce the fact about um, I Awesome. Okay, love it. Talking about meditation. And are you going to be, you're, you're teaching and are you going to be offering a meditation class online there? I am. I'm going to be offering a meditation class in Spanish. Um, on oh, awesome. yes. Bueno. <laughs> okay, bueno. Yes. And I will not be telling anybody, callate, carajo. Yeah, no, no, callate. No. Callate, la, la, uh, uh, brain. Uh, Cerebro, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I could tell that to Kayate. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so now that I talk about um, IAWESOME, IAWESOME, mm -hmm. the International Academy of Universal Self Mastery, yeah. is what brought us together and how we met. And it is a brand new, amazing entity of its own, as our friend and the our dear leader uh, of the Academy, um, Isa Hogan, would describe it. It's, uh, it's like an Academy. And you know what, but you are on the council and I'm, I'm one of the teachers too. So we're both looking forward to this very much. It's going to, yeah. you'll probably be listening to this just, just before it launches. Right. So um, keep your eyes open because I'll be editing this and then putting it up for everyone to listen to. But would you describe um the university to people and um just and then also about your class and just what it's going to be about okay yeah, well i'd be happy to so 
IAWESOME is, uh, as, as Desiree, as you mentioned at the outset of the show, it's an acronym for the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery. It's actually gone through a name change. We were yeah. not able to simply say University of Self-Mastery, which was the original title due to accreditation reasons. Yeah, I think, I think somebody grabbed that years ago and never used it anymore or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yes. And so it's been through a name change, but what this is, is an online academy. It's worldwide. So we have over 150 faculty members now that have been coming in from all over the world, uh, teaching on subjects, all of it online, related to personal transformation, personal growth, self-mastery, as, uh, as we talk about uh, spirituality. Now, there are all kinds of holistic related topics like that. And it's also a, a social platform as well. So it, it's a very special online academy that launches officially on October 5th of this year. So in four weeks, um, from four <laughs> weeks from this recording anyway. So yes. Eight. September 8th is when we're recording this for any reference, but that'll also be, you know, right. yeah. Yeah, and, and so and if you're listening to the show, then um, out there in, in October, November, we'll have already launched and the, the platform is available. It's open to anyone who's curious about exploring any of these topics. And it's worth noting to the listener that there are offerings that you can pay for. There are paid courses. You've got one. I've, I've got a few as well. And there are also a number of offerings for free. So people can come on, they can join the platform and take some classes absolutely for free. And it's $9.99 US to subscribe and you have access to this entire catalog. And and then in addition to that, like I have so many ideas. Uh, we just every now and then we have a faculty meeting on Zoom, and um, and so we were just talking yesterday on a faculty meeting. I just keep getting ideas that come to me of courses I want to teach. So I'm really looking forward to because it's just going to keep expanding as we have more and more teachers and more cl more classes. So right. I'm, I'm going to have a free one on there and a paid one right now. But I got to just get busy with uploading them onto the platform. Mm -hmm. I'm also looking forward. Uh, what you didn't mention are some people it's not just only pre-recorded and i don't know if you're going to have yours pre-recorded or you're doing it live are, are I'm, doing both. I'm doing both i have some pre-recorded videos and i'm going to have a live component yeah and i'm looking forward to doing that too so there there can be live interaction uh sort of like we're doing this between he and i are doing this interview here uh yeah. on on platforms where uh people can interact in real time um mm -hmm. and and also you know communicate with each other there's going to be groups and uh, it, uh, just a nice place to where everyone is um, going to be positive and healthy and think of wellness and have good interactions yes <laughs> you know there's they're nothing to fight about like which which meditation is better than the other <laughs> no arguments okay right. and so uh, Describe your classes then, the ones you're looking at. Um, okay. Well, the meditation class in Spanish is a basic meditation class. So it, I'm devising that as if you're a Spanish speaker as the four-week class. Now, there are other meditation instructors on the faculty that will be teaching in English. And one of the things that we want to do is we want to keep a, a nice 
small limit on the amount of people teaching one particular subject. So there aren't 78 basic hatha yoga teachers and, and 83 meditation teachers in, in yeah. English. So yeah, we're keeping a, a tight limit on that. So it'll be a four week course with a live component um, people will be able to watch a pre-recorded video and then I'll be giving them homework uh, to go off and practice certain elements of, of meditation and we'll have a weekly Zoom which I'll record and it'll be an opportunity for people to have a live Q&A, live interaction. We'll do that within the, the course group that we're going to have and it'll be uh, just a, a primer and uh, my, my goal on that is to introduce people to the fundamentals of meditation and begin to see some of the practical benefits in their own life so they'll be inspired to take that the next step right yeah that sounds exciting I, I'm, I'm looking forward to well I'm looking forward to trying to take everybody's courses right oh, I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to, to look at all the things and even just looking at the different teachers um, and the, like you you know interesting backgrounds interesting people and really fun to get to know. Um, I, I want to also bring out that there's a Facebook page, right? Yes. Where people can go now, even before the official opening of the um, Academy. And it is, um, it's by the same name, the International Academy of Universal Self Mastery. Right. And is that where they can find your interviews where you are the host and for I Awesome? So um, where would they find you talking to the other teachers if they wanted to find out? Okay. Well, and, and so, yeah, for the listener, then this is uh, what, uh, Desiree, what you're referring to are the faculty spotlight interviews. And so I, I get to sit down and I really want to take everyone's class because I, I've yeah. spoken literally with almost everybody that's come in. And these faculty spotlights are, are uh, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, like, like ours, where we highlight the faculty member, what they're teaching at the academy and why they're passionate about it. So you can currently find these on our YouTube channel. They're all okay. updated there on YouTube. Um, and that, that's the uh, International Academy of Universal Self Mastery. And then um, it will be on our website. Um, that's iawesome.com. The site is currently being built. So once it is built and we're launched, all of those spotlight interviews will also be available there as well. And these are short conversations that I've had with, uh, with everybody, and, and they're fascinating. Yeah, it's so yeah. interesting to see how everyone's come to their, you know, gone from you know, where they were, you know, and, and transitioned mm -hmm. into uh, helping other people. Now, tell me yes. about your podcast. How long have you been doing that? Your right. podcast name, again, is Decide to Transform. And um, how long have you been doing a podcast? I've been in the podcast world for just a little under a year, actually. It's been recent, but it's been very significant. And uh, this is one of the things that came from my teaching meditation, stepping up, uh, honestly, is the way I like to call that, in 2018 to start teaching. That led to my writing a book, which um, led me oh, to I publishing. I didn't know about the book. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I wrote and published a book last year and was looking at podcasting as one of the ways to further my message, get that out there. And I, I began to really enjoy 
that. Yeah, you have the that voice form. for it. Listen to that oh, voice, you. people. Like, does he not have the voice of a you know announcer? It's really, really great voice, and also your your cadence and just your calmness. You know, you've really got a, a natural oh. a natural way. Tell okay, so oh, thank you, yeah. so tell me about your podcast and mm -hmm. tell me about your book both for sure. Okay. Well, the, yeah. Well, I guess we'll we'll start with the podcast. The podcast called Decide to Transform began as an internet radio show, a live show. So I've done both a live internet radio show and now it's a, a more traditional podcast. And there are so many wonderful things about both. I'm enjoying the podcasting. But uh, this began as a, a live internet radio show on Ohm Times Radio. And I had that show until June of this year. Now it's a podcast and I'm enjoying the flexibility of being able to pre-record and edit yes. if I want to, right? And uh, yeah, release as many shows as I want to uh, uh -huh. or, or none at all uh, during a given time frame. And exactly. uh, yeah, that, that kind of creative flexibility and control, I really enjoy. But I I'm, I'm really enjoy the teaching component. So a number of my shows have been solo where I simply get up and talk. I, have, I find I have a lot to say. And then I also interview guests. I've been doing a lot of that lately. And a number of them, like yourself, are faculty members at iAwesome and members of the iAwesome Council. So they're, I'm just surrounded by a lot of fantastic, uh, highly intelligent, intelligent and committed people. So uh, I've had some beautiful guest interviews lately. And uh, it's just it's so much fun just for me to, in a way, it's a lot like mediation. Uh, in a way, it's a lot like everything that I've always done, because being a show host is holding space and offering people a platform for them to express themselves in whatever way that is to uh, further whatever message it is that they want to further and just to give them that that creative flexibility that creative place is really wonderful for me and i really enjoy that yeah it's a lot of fun and i think it takes having a real interest in people too it does because i i'm you know i i'm always interested in people i really enjoy uh, the interviews when i do them too mm -hmm. because i just find people's lives fascinating and um and you know with today we i know i'm so busy and like I, we might just kind of cross paths or see people on the zoom um big meetings or hear their name or they're a facebook friend but don't really know that much about them because mm -hmm. we're so busy they're busy i'm busy and so doing an interview like I'm doing here gives me a chance to actually get to know that person right. instead of it being so kind of just surface. So I, yeah. uh, so tell me about your book. Oh, sure. Yes. My book is, is called decide. There's just the verb decide and um, released last year. That was the, I guess it was the product of my teaching meditation. So once I made that decision to begin sharing my experience, officially, formally sharing my experience with the world, a number of things opened up. So from the meditation classes that I originally taught at my friend's yoga studio came every excuse in the book for why this won't work, right? for why I have this limiting story, this limiting concept. And I, I quickly 
in just over the span of a couple of months formulated the ideas for a, a full length and it's a 400 pager uh, wow that's that's, that's, not, that's not full length that's like that's like a congress uh, wrote it like, it's, it's a long read, but it's but it's fun, wow. and it, and the print is large. The, I use a, lot, a large font, so that, that's an undertaking. Yeah. Wow! And it, well, it was, yeah. It so, was. so what does the book lead you through? What does it? You know, it's called decide. Is it um, a path forward? Is it? Um, you know, what what would somebody as they pick up your book? Where where are they going to go? Well. Internally, hopefully, um, hopefully they'll do some self-examination because the thrust of the book is overcoming and working with your limiting stories, such as I can't, um, I'm not good enough, I'm too old, I'm too young, it's just not for me, uh, that type of thing. All of the reasons people give for not doing something that they know deep down that they want to do. And it could be meditation, but it, I mean, it could be anything spiritual. It could be in your relationship and in physical health, in, in someone's job or career arena. These things get in the way. So the book teaches how to work with that and move beyond it in a way that that, that hopefully will work for you, that's accessible. And then that's one of the things that I've always wanted is to make spirituality and personal growth accessible for people and, and break it down into chunks that um, are still effective, but they're a lot more doable than right. a long retreat. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. It sounds like a wonderful book. It's fun. It was yeah. fun to write. Well, you know, and have you thought of doing another one since that? Well, I have, and um, I, I don't, um, I don't know when that will happen. Actually, well, I don't know when it will happen. To do it. No, I'm kidding. No. Yeah, <laughs> well, and that's uh, yeah, and then to uh, read that uh, book first, and then. Yes. Well, it's all about, the, I call it the, the book Decide because it's all about a power of decision. And what really yeah. happens is that every moment of every day, we have a choice. We can choose our higher self or we can choose fear. We can stay, stay small or we can choose to expand ourselves. And uh, it really is, those are the only two options that are really available. Everything else is a subset of that. And that's a decision that we get to make. That was so prominent that that's what I went ahead and named the book. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and as far as the second book, well, I have ideas, but that's not on the immediate horizon. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of asked that from, a, you know, from my point of view, too. It's like I, I have a book I put out, I don't know when. It was a few years ago, like maybe three years. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I loved putting it together. And I thought, yeah. this is great. I'm going to do another one. And I have all sorts of ideas. And, um, you know, it's uh, uh, somebody, um, actually, my boyfriend, he makes music. And uh, I asked him, what do you ever do with this song that you um, started? And I never heard the rest. Like, you never finished it. And he goes, it's in the can. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that term as a musician. Mm -hmm. They say, well, if you got an unfinished tune or something, it's in the can. And um, I'm like, okay, so I guess I have a lot of stuff in the can. <laughs> I hope it doesn't mean the trash can. I just hope it's potential. Um, but like right. I said, so, so many, you know, fun things to do. Um, there uh, are. Creative, creative and, and hopefully helpful too. 
So. Yeah. Yeah, there are. I think a lot of people have all kinds of things in, in the can, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, yeah. just a lot of, we don't have all of us the time to, to do that because there's only 24 hours in the day and, and we're all running around doing different things, including sleeping. So. Yeah, that sleeping <laughs> yeah. part. I like that part. Mm -hmm. That's some nice. People, like, some people say, I'm surprised you're like, oh, you know, I only sleep five hours a night so I can do this and this. And I'm like, uh, okay, that, that's good for you, not for mm -hmm. me. I, I will definitely not give up my sleep if I can avoid it. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, how about, um, well, right now with, with the COVID shutdown that's going on and that sort of thing and limitations, um, I know it may be a little different, but do you work, uh, usually would there be a space where you work locally and in person with people or is it, uh, you know? Yeah, I, I used to, but yeah. since we've been traveling around, I have not done that for a while. So everything has been online um, everything that that i teach um you know whether it's it's something that i teach on my own or something that i, I co-teach because i actually have a a, a business partner and um, a co-teacher on some large projects that we're going to bring to i awesome as well so it's all online or over the telephone so yeah the, so the covid shutdown um really i think brought a lot of people uh, to me, and it wasn't a huge adjustment. Actually, the worst adjustment was the fact that we had several trips planned for March and April that we, that we had to cancel. Yeah, international. So. I had a lot of trips planned. As yeah. roommates with Aisha, in, um, we were going right. to be roommates in uh, Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that got canceled, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I know. But there's been oddly benefits, you know. At first, it was like you know, resistance to to the, you know. What I say is, it's like somebody shook your your snow globe. <laughs> so I feel like 2020 is like somebody shook your snow globe. And right. at first, it was like that unsettling thing about changes, and uh, but then after like you know, flipping and seeing the the benefits of all those canceled trips. I'm like, well, I have a lot more money than I would have because I'm not traveling. Yes. And, and I have more time than I would have. And, um, you know, so there, there are benefits, but also um, here we are carrying on, but in a different way. And, and, and even, you know, you, you and I might not have met because Aisha may not have gone in this direction because she would have been too busy traveling herself maybe awesome. you know right. so um things you know the snow globe got shaken and then the little things fell where they belong and yeah. just kind of saying oh well look at that isn't that different than it was and right it is and, and here we are right yeah. I mean, here we are creating um, an online academy for for people to to come and uh, it has just uh, everybody is now using zoom and people are, are more attuned to this way of of education of interacting with each other so thank that's you going to so much for joining thing. me um, and you know what? Journey I, uh, desiree sorry about I the interruption really at the end the part i'll see you next where time it made online education acceptable not mm. just like you know how it used to be oh well that's online you know that's not real or that's not as good as right. uh, but now like even school colleges, you know, you're they're they're you know we're forced to switch to online, 
And so what I like is that now online will not be considered less than, I don't think. Right. People have also appreciated, wow, you know, I can take this class that I could not have traveled to that place for. Uh, I have a group that meets on Saturdays and um, it used to be like five or, you know, five to 10 of us, you know, pretty much every week, um, like a study group. But now that went online, we have people from Texas, from South Carolina, from all, all around that joined in on Zoom that are part of a bigger organization and said, oh, you have weekly meetings? Well, we, you know, we'll join in. Um, so it's, it's created um, opportunity. And, yeah. and as I was driving out to an appointment today, and I was like, well, this traffic, I thought it was going to take me forever, but it was, it was light. And I live in Washington, D.C., so to say, and this was going across through the city. And I was like, that wasn't bad at all. And it's because of, you know, people are, are working remotely a lot. And it also occurred to me, going forward from here, there is an opportunity to reassess how much actual physical space do workplaces need. Right. If you don't need someone to be there sitting in their cubicle to do what they can do from home, you know, businesses could save money on, you know, a smaller office space and people can work from home. You know, there's um, there's a lot of benefits to that. And I think going that there's going to be a big shift to that permanent change in a lot of ways uh, right. as we go back because people are like I've been teaching um, virtually on Zoom as well for a, a community college that I teach for. And um, I'm like, why would I want to get in the car and drive out there and drive back? And, you know, especially I think of winter time and I'd have to like worry about, am I going to get stuck in snow if the weather's bad because they might still have class even if my weather's bad. So yeah, I think there's going to be both benefit and resistance to going back to people that say come sure. back in person. So. Right. Well, one thing's for sure is that things aren't going to go fully back to the way they were before, which is a good thing in, in yeah, a lot of places. a lot places. of it's good. Some yeah. of it, I'm like, I don't know what's going to go on here. As long as I can take off that mask, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, taking off the mask and being able to travel internationally yes, again, would be really yeah. most wonderful, <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah, without having to row your own boat or something, right? Right. Mm hmm Anyway, um, so we are um, hitting about an hour now that we've been talking, and um, I just want to ask you if there's anything else you want to share with the audience and the listeners. Well, you know, I've I've really enjoyed speaking with you. So, you know, thank you, you very much for for having me on. Um, I just want to invite everybody to please visit the platform of our offerings at iAwesome, and it's i a u s m iAwesome dot com. So again, i a u s m dot com. It's where you can find Desiree. You can find, they can find your courses. They can find my courses. They can find my business partner, Lisa Berry, and uh, they can find the, course, the community because it's really a community. Thank you so much for joining me on Intuitive Journey with Desiree. Sorry about the interruption at the end. I'll see you next time.